Please, friends, be seated. I would be surprised if there are many people here who have never seen a painting of the Annunciation to Mary. If you haven't, I'm glad we're both here this morning, and I'd love to talk with you after the service if you're willing. But most of us, even those like me with little talent for the visual arts, could sketch the scene. The angel standing, encircled by light, the young woman reading or sewing or sitting in prayer, surprised or, as the evangelist Luke says, much perplexed, by this visit from a heavenly messenger. This is the scene we just sketched through our sequence hymn, and most of us can picture it. Well, the Annunciation we heard proclaimed in the Gospel this morning is not that one. There are paintings of the Annunciation to Joseph, but not very many, and they're harder to find than those depicting his wife. Maybe this lack of artwork is appropriate for the quietly faithful man who joined Mary in raising Jesus. Emphasis on the quiet. Joseph speaks not a single word in any of the Gospels. Not one. Everything we know of him comes from what he did. Joseph married the fiance he knew he did not impregnate. He fled with her and the baby into Egypt to escape a ruthless ruler who was so desperate to hold onto power that he threatened the lives of children. Joseph, with Mary, looked everywhere for the 12-year-old Jesus who had gone missing in the temple in Jerusalem. He taught the boy his trade. And when he died, church tradition tells us, his wife and the son he claimed as his own were at his bedside. Joseph did all that because God told him to. The evangelist Matthew tells us Joseph had been planning to end his engagement to Mary, but quietly, without making a public spectacle of her. At least, not more of a public spectacle than she already would be, as an unmarried pregnant woman who said her child was the son of God. But then, Matthew tells us, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Do not be afraid. Angels are always telling people not to be afraid, whether they're announcing an unexpected birth or an equally unexpected resurrection. That probably tells us something about the appearance of angels. Huge, bright, winged, and appearing in a flash without warning. A heavenly being who has to constantly assure people there's no reason for fear might just be a little scary looking. The angel's repeated warnings not to be afraid also tells you and me something about ourselves. You and I do get scared 
when we suspect we're not up to the mission ahead, when we can't imagine how we're going to accomplish what's being asked of us. We may want to end up in the place God is calling us to without having the faintest idea of how to take the first step. Fortunately, the fact that do not be afraid is perhaps God's most repeated phrase also tells us something about the divine nature. Sometimes God sends a messenger, an angel, to deliver those words, as in today's reading. Sometimes God speaks them directly, like when God told Abraham not to fear, that he would be the father of countless generations, no matter how unlikely that seemed to the elderly prophet and his equally elderly wife, Sarah. But over and over, God tells people not to be afraid because whatever God asks of a person, God promises to be with them as they respond. God was with Joseph when he realized he needed to complete his marriage to Mary. And God was with Joseph throughout the Holy Family's life together. God is with you and me, too. Christians base our lives on the reality that God came to be with us in the flesh, incarnate, as the child Mary agreed to bear and Joseph agreed to care for, the child they both loved more than their own lives, who grew up to be the man who gave his life for love of the world. Mary and Joseph's faithfulness made the incarnation possible. It prepared the way for you and me to have our own relationships with Jesus. With Jesus, who reminds you and me as the voice of the Lord told Joseph, do not be afraid, because he will accompany us too as we try to live faithfully and to help each other along the way. You and I need his reminders, his encouragement, because living faithfully as the complicated, fearful, sinful, yet wonderful creatures we are can be tough. I remember one time when I experienced that challenge and Jesus' presence in prayer. I was praying about a conflict I was having, praying that the relationship would improve. And if I'm being honest, I was praying that the person I was in conflict with would change. Because then everything would be fine, right? If only the other person would change. I poured out my desperate fears and my tentative hopes, and then I fell silent. And in the silence, I heard Jesus say, you know I love her just as much as I love you. It wasn't a question. It was a statement. And I had to admit that, yes, I did know. Thanks, Jesus for reminding me that since I knew it, I had to live accordingly. Now, I will hasten to add that the person I was praying for had not been violent toward me and I was not in danger. If I had been in danger, 
I suspect Jesus would have reminded me how much he loved me, how much my life was worth, and that he would be with me as I sought help to get away from that danger. So I am not making a comparison between the call Joseph received to raise the Son of God and the reminder I received that Jesus' love will eventually cover and heal all the world's divisions, from the petty to the genocidal. But the two are related. God reaches out to you, to me, to everyone in myriad and sometimes surprising ways. It surprised me to hear Jesus' voice as clearly as I did that day, but the words sure sounded like something he would say. If you and I are going to be open, as Joseph was, to God's surprising call, we need reminders not to be afraid. We need reminders that God is with us, that Jesus Christ came among us to share our life, our death, our hopes, our fears, and we need reminders that the resurrected Jesus is with us still. So we need friends on this adventure. We need companions to remind us that because of God's incarnation, we can now trust that our fears, our conflicts, the dreary, painful, and sometimes dangerous side of our own incarnate lives, these conflicts are not the end of our story. Church is the community that reminds us of all that. You and I are literally companions, people who share bread. That's what the Latin-rooted word companion means. We are people who listen to the story of the Annunciation to our brother Joseph and to so many other stories of God's frightened people and God's presence with them. We are people who pray. We are people who share the bread and wine that are the body and blood of our Lord himself. And because the Lord is with us, over time, we become people who can help each other and our neighbors not to be afraid. Amen.